that, that what I'm, the topic I'm talking on today is leaving your mark. Now, that is Brandon Lake. We'll talk about him in a second. But he's obviously left his mark with that. I think about it all the time. It gets me choked up. <laughs> but you don't have to be Brandon Lake to leave your mark. You are all leaving a mark. I promise you that. I'll prove that today before we leave here. But this is a definition of leaving your mark. Any definition of, you know, someone leaves their mark or leaves a mark when they have a lasting effect on another person or thing. That had a lasting effect on me. I've, I've seen it a hundred times. I saw it during its original when it was on the Christmas edition of The Chosen. And I still record, I record it immediately. And there's a way to record those without breaking all the uh, recording rights, actually, by the way. This is why I did it. I'll show you how to do that later, too. But this is leaving your mark. I want to be that guy. You know, wouldn't you like to do that just once? I mean, really, like, I know, Andy, I know you play the guitar and sing. Wouldn't you like to do that just one time? I mean, seriously, everybody here, even if you can't sing or play guitar, you want that passion. We all want that type of passion to say that me praising Jesus is affecting people forever. So here's ways. This is a brand. Oh, yeah, you make Wikipedia, you know you really left your mark, right? So if you're in Wikipedia, you can walk out of the room right now knowing you've already left your mark because he's in Wikipedia. But here's, the, here's examples of leaving your mark. These are the ones that we all like, right? Give you undivided attention. I'm going to do a, a little plug on this. If you are holding this in your hand while I'm talking to you, you're not giving me your undivided attention, especially if you keep referring back to it. Now, if I'm talking to the chief of police in Windermere, I understand. He's got business to do. But if we're having a casual lunch and you just can't stop looking at your text from your next door neighbor talking about the cat, you're not giving me your undivided attention. One little side note here. I got an 11-year-old granddaughter, and I gave her my phone. Day, I said, here, honey, look through my phone. There's nothing on there that you can't see. Nothing. So I looked at her. I said, can I look through your phone? He's like, no. 11 years old. Now, it was just, you know, silly pictures. It wasn't anything that you might imagine. But can, if you, can you hand your phone to anybody in this room right now and have them look through it and not be embarrassed by it? Side note. I don't want, I'm not challenging you on that one. Problem solver is leaving your mark. Remembering people's names. My father-in-law wrote down. He had, he's old school, MIT graduate, Air Force pilot. He wore a shirt with pockets. Who has a shirt with pocket on today? Most people don't, but he still did, and he kept a notepad in there. In that notepad, he had a pen. He got to a restaurant. He wrote down the waiters and waitresses' names. When he went back to that, wait, went back to that restaurant, he called them by name. Before he went in, he would check it, call them by name. His funeral was the most attended funeral I've ever been to besides a law enforcement funeral. We did not know anybody there. They all knew him. I'm talking 500 people at just some civilian guy's funeral in Fort Pierce, Florida. And they passed the mic around for almost two hours. Well, who are all these people? They're people whose names you remembered. That's who they were. This, how can you help? That's obvious. Uh, has set higher standards. This is an internal thing. You set your higher standards when you're at 3 a.m. That's when you set your higher standards. You don't set them, you don't set them first thing in the morning to wake up and kind of have this little fake persona. You set them at 3 a.m. That's your higher standard. Make your contribution. I always think about Dave Ogden on this, building the bunk beds. You know, those people don't know that who built the bunk beds for them. You know that, right? They don't know. Matter of fact, most of the time, I don't know half the people there are building the bunk beds. 
you still do it. You do it anyway. That's a contribution that matters. You're not getting a special reward for it, a special recognition for it. Uh, lead with integrity no matter how much it costs. You know, you're truthful under oath, right? They say if you, don't, if you lie under oath that there would be penalties. So you kind of tell the truth most of the times when you're under oath. But do you tell the truth when you're not under oath? Just in a random conversation. Truthfulness is another moral issue. Smile. So Windermere has traffic circles. I love them. I've lived in Windermere almost 25 years now. I love the traffic circles. But if you cut in front of somebody in a traffic circle, I don't care if there's five car links. They take it personal. Like you cut in front of me, and they roll right up on you. So first thing I do before I get to traffic circles, I roll the windows down, both of them. And I wave to the car that I'm cutting off. I'm not cutting you off. It's a traffic circle. I'm supposed to pull in here. But when I do, they always back off and wave back. So if you smile first, you'd be surprised at the response you get. So that's just my example. And it's a reminder every day, like, roll the window down. Thank you for letting me into this semi-tractor trailer space that's not bothering you. And by the way, your first turn, you're getting off anyway. You're going you're gonna to make a right right here. So anyway, it's just a pet peeve of mine. So <laughs> traffic, right? Traffic gets everybody. So just smile. That's a contribution. Unfortunately, there's this. Examples of leaving your mark. You know you're leaving a mark, right? My dad left a mark. Your dad left a mark. Your neighbors leave a mark. You leave a mark on your neighbor. These are some of the things that we do that we don't want to do. That last one, I added that one because that's me. I, I, I've done all those. I haven't disfigured anybody. Well, eh, maybe I have actually. But it wasn't, it wasn't like debilitating. It was a scar. So, uh, you know, like we've all done that, right? These are, so you're leaving a mark right now. Evaluate yourself right now. Not, not what somebody's done to you, but we've done to, what you have done to somebody. You can't, you know, you can't. This is what I try to tell my granddaughter all the time. I use her example because she almost still listens to me. You cannot control what somebody else does to you. You realize that, right? I mean, within reason, you can only control what you do to somebody else. That's always been the case. Always been the case. So let's stop, stop pointing fingers at some other people and look at ourselves. Like I said, we're all leaving a mark. Uh, we're all in the arena. We're all in an arena, whether you like it or not. The stuff Bill told me, I genuinely do not remember that. I remember me and you, you and me in the class, but I don't remember anybody standing around me or, or saying they, that I was you know, anything to them. But people are quoting you right now. Somebody is quoting you right now. And the higher you up on a position of authority, the more people are quoting you, good or bad. I quote people every day, and I'm going to quote some here in a minute, that have no idea that I'm quoting them and never will because they're dead. There are people going to quote you the rest of your life. And the longer you live, the more quotes you're going to get, good or bad. Here's what I had this. You're going to hate this story, but when someone leaves your presence, conversation more than five minutes, are they exhausted or are they energized? right? Who's the person you avoid? That's the one that exhausts you, right? Are you that person? Am I that person? I have been that person. I've been that person to the same guy in the same location. He comes to me on a golf cart. Liam knows. Liam hangs out. My Liam's a big woodworker with me. We hang out in the shop most days. After he trades gold all morning, he comes and does woodworking. So this guy comes over in a golf cart. He's 80-something years old. I'm like, oh, no, I got to get this epoxy down. Oh, the glue's drying. Uh, Liam's, you know, blah, blah. He rolls up. He gets out, and he wants to talk. So we talk. There's was one particular day we're talking, and we get done talking. And I'm like, oh, good, I can get back to my work. He stops. 
He looks at me and he says, if I didn't have you to talk to, I'd have nobody to talk to. Mic drop. Same guy, several weeks later. By the end of the conversation, he goes, I gotta go. He hit a, he hit, he hit a, he hit a, he hit something with me. That I, he started talking about town politics. That's what it was. I'll be honest with you. He started talking about town politics and I went off on a rant and he said, I gotta go. Yeah, I'll see you later. I left the same guy energized and exhausted. Same guy. So this starts with our family, friends, and our neighbors. You know, it really does. If we, if we are not energized in our own family, we're a phony. We're, we're fake. We're just putting on a show. And we get home, sitting on a dock in North Carolina. This lady, the guy there, this lady, real Southern. I'll do, I'll do a fake Southern accent. I'm not trying to mock her because she has a real Southern accent. I went to the office the other day, and everybody in the office kept telling me how nice my husband was. Oh, he's this way, he's that way, he's that way. Well, after a few minutes, I got kind of tired of it. I looked at him, and I said, well, hey, honey, when you get home, save some of that nice for me. I think about that, right? If you are not energizing your own family and friends and neighbors, you're probably faking it. Or you're doing it for some personal gain or personal benefit. You're doing it for yourself. And I, I'm listen. Well, I'm real guilty at the bottom of that one there because I'm guilty of all of this. That's why I know so well. You ever talk to a recovering alcoholic? They know a lot about alcohol, don't they? I know a lot about all this because I've done it. So I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm pointing fingers at us. Now, if you look at Jesus and you say, tell me the most important thing in the world right now. I got 30 seconds. And he looks at you and he says this. This is what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like to love your neighbor yourself. He just, he summed it all up. He's, they asked him right to his face, what's the greatest commandment? And I don't think Jesus had to guess that, like, oh, dang it, I got that one wrong. I should have said this. I should have said that. He knew this was it. Jesus didn't walk away saying, oh, man, I wish, I wish I'd have thought of that other one when I was there because I, it's a little better than this. He meant this when he said it. This was, not a, this was not a mistake. This was not a typo. This was not an impromptu you know, response he didn't think about. This is it. What else is there? I mean, I, I could harp on that one all day. I mean, I could read it every, every five minutes, but it says all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, I'm sure there's other things we need to do, but listen, somebody's watching you all the time. I, I have certain quotes, certain people that I that I'm inspired by also. And Bill, you're one of them also. People don't realize that, you know, they, they see, our, you, the, Bill says that I inspire him. Bill doesn't realize he inspires me. He's got a story. I'm watching him. I'm watching a lot of people in this room. I've had a pleasure of meeting you, a lot of you more as I've come here longer. I'm watching Liam. Liam's watching me. We're getting to know each other. We're all in there. I'm watching Andy. Andy and I do Bible study every Wednesday. I'm watching Troy. Troy and I do Bible study every Tuesday. Mike Combs sitting back there. I've been watching him for 25 years. Not in a weird way, but you know. You know. <laughs> but you know what I mean. We're all watching. I'm watching that guy over there with the dog right now. I want to hear what's his story. You know, we're all watching somebody, right? You know what I mean? Well, here's a guy that sums it up best. We know this one, right? Please play. Oh, go back. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. 
or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who, at the best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I don't know if, if President Roosevelt wrote that. I don't care. Um, if you look at this, there are certain words highlighted. I did not highlight these words, but you should be able to look at this and highlight words that are important to you because this thing is filled with things that should encourage you, feel, or motivate you, whatever. For me right now in my life, it's those small words. Who spends himself in a worthy cause. I'm 65, I'm retired. If I'm lucky, I'll live another 20 years. It might not be my best 20. I mean, I'm just saying. And you know, I'm grateful for what I have. I'm not trying, I want more. But I know my time is shorter and I want to spend it in a worthy cause. Right? I never wanted to be a cold and timid soul. Cold is non-caring. It's pretty it's a selfishness. That's really what it is. You can blame the world, you can blame NBC, you can blame Fox TV, you can blame whatever you want, why you're so cold. You can blame the youth, you can blame the old, you can blame whatever. You're cold. Timid is can you does anybody know what makes somebody timid, I think? Fear. Fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So don't be self-centered or fearful. That, this sounds like a really bold, cold, and timid souls. It's self-centered and fearful. That's what it is to me. It puts it because I'm cold. And, I'm not cold. I'm not timid. No, but you're self-centered and you're fearful. Right? So we're all there. So pick out the words that apply to you. They change all the time. Write this down. Get this tattooed on your thigh. I'm sure your wives and girlfriends won't care. Make sure it's facing this way, though. Otherwise, you won't be able to read it. So you got to get it. It's, I know it's a weird thing, but you really think about that. Face it this way. Don't do that. At least don't say I told you to. Uh, here's the intro. You guys don't need any more about that. Um, I say 3,000. I did a rough estimate on that. I did it for 28 years. I kind of did a we didn't even keep records back in the early 80s, so I don't know how many I did. But it was, it was over 2,500. I know that for sure. Dave Ogden is not here. Is he is Chief Ogden here or no? Oh, that's right. He had a wisdom tooth pulled. Dave? I could tell a story about Dave that would, that would uh, make you shiver when it comes to bravery. But I won't tell him because he's not here. But we've been in big arenas. Dave and I have been in big arenas. We've been in arenas where it's made global news. We've been in arenas where if we did the wrong thing, we'd be terminated or imprisoned. 
We've been in arenas that cost others their lives. So we've been in big arenas, right? You, some of you in here have been in bigger arenas. I know there's some military vets here. I know there's people that serve the military. There's big arenas. There's small arenas too. It's not just the big arena. Sometimes the smaller arenas are give bigger results. The big arenas sometimes can be misjudged by a lot of people because you get more input. The smaller arenas are more intimate and seem to have a bigger effect. And I can give you a really, really, really good example of this. And Troy, I think this is going to be the title of my next book. Mrs. Brown, a drunk man and a tobacco chewing farmer. That, is that catchy? That's not bad, right? <laughs> right. So <laughs> Mrs. Brown, a drunk man, tobacco chewing farmer. 16 years old, raised by a single mom, four kids, government housing, government cheese, blah, 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 poor, poor, pitiful me. Dad was a raging alcoholic, cut up our presents on Christmas morning. When he didn't come back, we were happy he didn't come back. But we, that caused a lot of issues with us living in different places. We kind of moved around wherever, the, wherever we could. We lived in the back of a tavern on the county road for a while. We got foster childed out, foster childed out, foster children out to our relatives for a while, whatever. Um, Mrs. Brown lived next door to us when I was 16 years old. And back in the day, this can be a little history lesson for you. Back in the day, your mom controlled the radio. You didn't have your own. The stereo was hers when she was home. And you listened to Waylon Jennings, right? Or Charlie Pride. You didn't listen to your music. But when she was gone, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd came out. Right? So, and also in those days, you could walk to ABC Liquor with this letter from your mom saying you wanted some vodka and Marlboro cigarettes in a box. And they gave it to you. So we pulled all our resources. We got a letter from my mom. Went to the ABC. My mom wants some vodka and some Marlboro in a box. Yes, sir. Here you go. Go to the house. We're drunk. We're listening to Led Zeppelin as loud as we can. Mrs. Brown lived next door. I barely knew the lady. I don't remember seeing, hardly seeing her ever because Probably because she was afraid to come out of the house, truthfully. I was the worst kid in the neighborhood. I was one of those kids that, you know, when they say, well, you know, it's probably your kid's probably bad because he let him hang around bad company. I'm the one you didn't want your kid to hang around with. And I'm not trying to sound anything. That's just the truth. She walks in. There was no air conditioning. So the front doors, we had no air conditioning all growing up, which, by the way, side note, we still don't use air conditioning. People don't believe me, but it's true. Um, I slept in front of the front door with a box fan blowing on me. My whole, all the way through high school till... Well, I would have graduated if I didn't quit high school in 11th grade. That's another story. Mrs. Brown walks in, kicks the screen door open. We're drunk. We're smoking cigarettes. You know, we're doing what 16-year-olds do when parents aren't around in my neighborhood. She kneels down in the middle of the living room. This is a frail old lady. Barely knew her. She starts praying. Music's still blasting. Everybody kind of stops and looks at her. Some just kind of walk by and sneer at her. I don't think she's praying for us to turn the music down. I don't think she's praying for us to, you know, stop drinking. I think she's praying for our salvation. I don't know. I'm only assuming. I mean, what would you think she was praying for? Will these people please move? You probably pray for that when she was home. Came into our house, kneeled down. Now, listen, a bunch of rambunctious, loud, obnoxious, long-haired, shirtless, because in the 70s, you didn't wear shirts. Or shorts, by the way. Teenagers. Who would do that? Nobody. Here's the worst and the best part. She got up and she left. I don't recall ever seeing her again. Truthfully, maybe I saw her in the front yard 
because we get in a lot of fights in my front yard, so she might have come out to watch the fights or something. I don't know. Especially that one knife fight. That was not a, that was not a good one. Um, we never talked about it. Nobody in the room said a word to each other ever about that. You talk about cold and calloused hearts. You got an old lady come in the middle of a Led Zeppelin party, smoking cigarettes and drinking vodka, kneeling down in the middle of the living room and nobody says anything? What is wrong with us? So when you see cold and callous hearts these days, think about me when I was 16. Now, I did not turn my life over to Christ, mostly because I really did. At that point, I still didn't even know what that meant. She kneeled down and prayed. She planted a seed. She made a mark in a small arena. So when, you know, honorable mention, when he showed up and told me what that meant, I was ready. I was ready in my spirit. I didn't even know it, but I, did, I had no idea what she prayed for. The most I thought she prayed for was like I started going, going back to church. I had no idea what salvation even meant. Uh, drunk, this is real, these next two are real quick. Drunk guy got in a fight as a kid. They broke his apart. This drunk guy who didn't even know said, leave him alone. He's a born leader. I think that's why I became a SWAT commander. One grown man said something good about me. My dad never said anything good about me. One grown man, total stranger, said he's a leader. I always wanted to be a leader. What young boy doesn't? Now you got some drunk guy, you just got in a fight, you think you're in trouble, but yet he's saying, leave him alone. He's a leader. And that's World War II mentality. We probably won't get that same reaction nowadays if kids get in a fight. You know, you got to go to counseling and go say hi and shake hands and, you know, kiss them. But back in those days, back in those days, those World War II vets was like, leave him alone. He's a born leader. Like, yeah, that's right. Leave me alone. I'm a born leader. And I never forgot that. Working at Rock Quarry, my wife was 16. I was 18, we already had a one-year-old. I quit high school in 11th grade. I had no education. She quit eighth grade. We're living by ourselves in Kentucky. We're grown-ups. By the time I'm 19, I'm at the Rock Quarry two years. Rock Quarry, you know what you do to Rock Quarries, right? You make little rocks out of big rocks. What else are you gonna do with 11th grade dropout, right? This guy rolls his window down. Apparently he'd been watching me for some time. I did not know. He spits tobacco out the window and says, the police department's hiring. Who are you? What's the police department? He made a mark. 32 years, well, I, it went like this. I got fired my first job as a cop, but don't repeat that. Um, but after this, 32 years later, retired captain with a master's degree and a SWAT commander standing up here right now. Because... All, all, now Mr. Barnes gets special, special mention, but all three of them, of all three of those, none of them never knew. That Mrs. Barnes, Mr. I have Mr. Mrs. Brown, I don't know. The drunk guy, I don't even know who he was. I think his name was Bucky. That's all I can remember. And uh, the guy, the, the, the farmer, I have no idea who he was. I never even talked to him before. They did it anyway. There's a small arena that had a big effect. They didn't even know, and they did it anyway, which I wanted to read this today, but I didn't, I didn't have time to, I didn't wake up early enough to print it out, but you'll get the message here. And here's what Mother Teresa said. She said, people are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, she said, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. 
If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone may destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may just never be enough. Give the world the best you have anyway. You see, she said, in the final analysis, it's all between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. You may never know the bar you need. Sometimes you will. So I'm riding around one night, sick of 30s a man down. I'm trying to watch a man, a lieutenant, a young lieutenant. Yeah, because I have no money. I'm a young lieutenant. I have no money. I see these guys riding by. So signal 30. Now, law enforcement and, and, and uh, my cops, my son is, uh, I'm a cop. My son is a firefighter. Signal 30 for, for firefighters is, thank you very much. Signal 30 for firefighters is medical. Signal 30 for cops is criminal. When you go to a scene on a signal 30 for firefighters, people stick around. They want to tell you what happened. Signal 30 for law enforcement, they don't want to stick around and tell you what happened. So if somebody's there and you're a good cop and you're trained right, Mike, you start talking to the people that are still sticking around because they got something to say. Otherwise, they're not, they're not the suspects. They're the witnesses. So I'm driving around. I see these kids. I talk to them. They're on bicycles, riding in circles. It's like 12 o'clock at night. What are you guys doing? Ah, we're riding their bikes. Ah, what grade are you in? Ah, we're 15 years old. We quit school. Oh, yeah, I understand. I did the same thing. What are you going to do? I want to be a BMX bike rider. Why are you riding around at night? Because uh, all the kids hassle us at school and nighttime's cooler. That's awesome. Here's my business card. I'm going to write a dollar amount on the back. And if you eat GED within one year of this date, I'll give you the number on the back. Bye-bye. I've done it before. Never heard from anybody. A few weeks later, I get a phone call. I got it. Now, I was an undercover drug agent right here in Winter Garden, actually, for several years. When you call me, you say, I got it. That's a whole different th meaning to me. So, like, oh, you got, all right. Well, I mean, oh, wait, I'm not doing that anymore. You got what? You know, normally it means like, oh, I'll hook up with him. We bring a tag team and take him down. But he's like, I got my GED. I'm like, oh, wow. Nobody's ever called me back. So I go to his house in Pine Hills. He's got his business card. I say, let me see the back of it. Make sure the date's good. I was going to give it to him anyway. Flips it around. This card wasn't even bent on the corners. It was like a collector's baseball card. Pulls out a GED. It's like, holy shh, out of the vanilla, vanilla envelope. And it's like, perfect. His aunties are up there crying. He's on there. I'm kind of getting choked up. And I fl he flips it over. It's $250. I'm like, oh, I wrote $250? I guess I didn't think you were ever going to call me back. You know what I mean? So I go, I'll be right back. He goes, you know what he said? It's okay. You don't have to pay me. I'm like, yeah, I do. Honey, do we have any money? Why? I can't tell you later. Can we get 250 out of ATM? Because, you know, it was a while ago. You couldn't get that much out. He goes, yeah. Come back and give him the money. I said, now you can do whatever you want. He goes, what do you mean? I go, you had a glass ceiling before. Boom, boom, boom. You guys know what the glass ceiling is, right? At a certain point where you can't raise above. I said, because your, your high school education kept you from doing that. Now you got that. You can do whatever you want. Sometimes you do find out. Sometimes you find out. I don't know if you remember me, but 15 years ago, I called 911. You showed up. You told me you'd give me $250 if I got my GED after you found out. I was 15 years old dropout. Once I got it, you came to my house in Pine Hills and gave me 250 
After all these years, I've told this story at least a million times. I saved the card. You gave me, but couldn't figure out what I'd done with it. I moved a while back, found it yesterday. I felt I needed to let you know and say thanks. You were a huge reason why I got my life together with college. Of course I remember you. I've also told that story a million times. You're the only one that got their GED. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. I'm even more proud you're telling the story because the story's coming from you. It means more than anything else. The story coming from you means anything else, more than anything else, more than it comes from me. Yeah, blah, 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 uh, you know, I promise you changing lives. Thank you for, you made me and my wife cry. Uh, Winfrey Engineering, now I'm a natural gas engineer for the utility company in New York City. I've never heard from him since. But I'm glad I heard from him this time. So the difference you make does matter. I'm going to speed this up. I'm almost near the end. This is, okay, on a serious note, God is calling us to leave our mark. I like visuals, as you can see. And I'm going to leave you with one more visual, unless we have an extra five minutes at the end that you want to see something that might even be more interesting than this. But we'll take a vote. I'll, I'll leave you with this visual. That's God. You know what? You've already left your mark, right? We've all done the good and the bad. You've all left your mark. You're going to leave your mark today. You're going to leave your mark today. The reason we don't, I guess the reason we don't think about it as much is we just lose perspective. We get busy. You know, we, we do things that distract us. Or we intentionally make decisions that distract us. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's us. We do it to ourselves. Do you have three, four more minutes? So this is... The Chosen is I Love the Chosen. I've watched it three times. I'm going to the movies to watch it for the next episode. Episodes one and two is coming out the movies for season three. Jesus has been healing people all day. Jesus isn't even in this show until the last moment. They just see him in a tent healing people all day. The apostles are back at the fire talking. And when you have nothing to do or you get distracted, this is what happens put me in a desperate position where I did things I would never have done otherwise. And I've repented for them. And John and James, I am sorry, but I didn't go through with it. What is your excuse? I was a successful businessman, and yet I was always behind. He wasn't your tax collector. You quit defending him. I want an answer. Hey, you're new. 
Do you even know what it's like to be Jewish? To suffer for centuries and centuries because of it, but to still commit to it? To protect our heritage even though it never stops being painful, because the one comfort we have is to know that we're doing it together. That we're all suffering together, but if, if we just wait a little longer, if we hold tight just a little more, we'll have rescue because we're chosen, all of us. And you betrayed that, and you spit on it! I can't forgive it. I'll never forgive it. All right. You said what you needed to say. Sit down, Simon. You sit down first. amazing and the, and the way they the way they bring it across for me is just like leaving a mark so we're all going to leave here today we're all going to do something today god willing and i pray that we all leave our mark but think small arena and think that jesus first thank you